0: So here we are, the end of 2020, finally, and amidst all the chaos, all the stuff going on in our world, in our lives, in our schools, in our families, we're now starting to shift our focus to Christmas. And out of... All the years that I feel like, you know, it's crazy because when you hit December, it's like everyone kind of shifts, you know? And some people get like really happy and they're like, oh, they love all the decorations and everything. And some people get like really grumpy, right? They hate all the crowds and the traffic and the blah. Okay. But people shift one way or another. And and I feel like this year of all years, there has been like no shift. I don't know if you guys have felt that same way, but it's like, we haven't even hit Christmas yet, it doesn't feel like, and we're like a few days into December. But we all know that, we all know that when we hit Christmas, the season has a tendency to become many things. Some of those things are good, focusing on family, love for others, kindness and joy. Other things we focus on can be bad, maybe greed of wanting gifts and this year I just want money for Christmas That's what I want. <laughs> or loss, maybe experiencing a holiday for the first time without a family member. Maybe it's some selfishness. I want to do what I want to do for the holidays and not what anyone else wants to do. But we all realize that this holiday comes with a lot of things that I don't I don't think that they're necessarily designed to do this, but they do it. But this holiday comes with so many things that take our focus away from what this holiday is really about. And so this Christmas season, despite all the chaos in our world, despite all these things, That the Christmas season becomes about. I hope that you ultimately remember what this season is about. And it's about the miraculous birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And and I know, I think it's about 50-50 in here. Whether you were here at this church this time last year or not. I would encourage you to go to our youth group podcast and listen to some of the first things I put on there because it was like the first real series that I did here. But it was an Advent series. And we talked, if you know anything about Advent, there's a wreath that has four candles around it and then one in the middle. And over the four weeks leading up to Christmas, we talked about what each of these candles represented and we talked about what Advent means. And so if you find yourself kind of like I have been so far this December and not necessarily feeling the Christmas spirit in a way that maybe you normally do, go check those out. I mean, I'm not. there's nothing magical about what I said or, or those specific things. You can just Google for Advent calendars and read a little bit. But that... That's there for you. But this last Sunday that we just had would have been the first, It not would have been, was the first Sunday of Advent. <clears throat> which is the candle of angels. And uh, or the candle of Bethlehem are the two names for it. So if you don't know what that means or if you're, regardless of where you're at, go check those out. Go check them out. It helps you realize and really focus in on what Christmas is about. And it it really helps us to get in the mindset of reflecting on what Christmas means to us as Christians. However, this year, we're going to look at a different aspect of the Christmas story. (laughs) And in reality, we're going to look at a part of the Christmas story that's not actually a part of the Christmas story. But we're going to look at the three gifts of the wise men or the magi. So if you're in Matthew 2, I'm going to read verses 9 through 11. So as soon as they heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and of myrrh. I have a feeling if I would have asked pretty much any of you in here what three gifts the wise men brought to Jesus, I would hope that most, if not all of you, could have told me that it was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Very common things that we know about this story. Now, what we may not know about this story... Is we always see these wise men, these magi, in the nativity set, right? And, and if I was telling some of you guys this story, Haley was setting up a nativity set in her house, and one of the wise men was holding his gift, and he had his head leaned to the side, and she accidentally put him where his head was laying on the, the roof of the stable. And I was like, it was the long journey. he needed a nap at baby Jesus's stable. But, You always see these in nativity sets, right? The the three men carrying gifts, usually like one of them's kneeling or something. But we've all seen them, right? And we all associate them with the Christmas story. (laughs) Realistically, they probably did not find Jesus until he was one to two years old. Okay, so they're not really a part of the Christmas story. But we associate them with the early life of Jesus. And these gifts that they bring him. So... They shouldn't really be in a nativity set, but I think it's important to acknowledge who they are, what they brought and why they brought what they brought. Because what they did by protecting Jesus from King Herod, if you don't know that story, you can read a little bit earlier in Matthew 2, by protecting Jesus from King Herod. And then the second thing they did was they brought these gifts to Jesus They have great significance in the story and in the life of Jesus. So over the next three weeks leading up to Christmas, again, we won't have Wednesday night, the Wednesday right before Christmas. So we've got three more Wednesday nights before Christmas will be here. We're going to be looking at these three gifts that the Magi brought. okay? And we're going to see that these gifts are no ordinary gifts, that they all have a distinct purpose and a meaning for who Jesus was and who he would become. So tonight's gift is. No, frankincense. No, I'm just kidding. It's gold. Uh, it's gold. Okay. I was thinking today, I was like, why do we say them gold, frankincense and myrrh? It's not alphabetical. It's not like shortest to or longest. Or, like, I was like, why do we say it like that? Because if I say frankincense, myrrh and gold, it sounds wrong. Does it not? It's gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You've got to do it in that order. Yes, you have to do it in that order. No. So tonight we're going to be looking at gold. And I'm going to give you guys a little heads up. If you plan on coming to church any over the next month, um, Aaron stole this idea from me, not the other way around. Okay? He stole this idea from me. And so actually we're going to be teaching these Same three topics the next three Sundays in church and actually I'm preaching Sunday so you will get to hear this again Sunday because we're talking about gold I know that does not mean that that does not mean like oh good I got it out of the way on Wednesday night I'm not being here Sunday now (laughs) but tonight we're going to talk about gold all right so gold is like no other metal on this planet. It has unmatched value and unmatched appeal. But when we think about gold, and I don't know about you guys, but thinking of it realistically, gold is simply just a metal, right? Just like any other metal that we find in earth. I wasn't exactly sure what made gold so valuable. Or, or then that kind of led me down a rabbit hole of what makes anything valuable. And I ultimately came to this realization that things are more valuable because people place value in them, right? Like if people want the gold, it becomes more valuable. It's just a metal, guys. It's no different than aluminum. It's just a metal, right? I mean, it's a different chemical, but it, I'm saying like, it's just a metal. So who dis, who determined that gold is valued more than aluminum? They're both just metals. That's that's no, I'm just hear me out. I, I know there are reasons. I'm not saying there's no reasons, but what determines its value is humans, right? <laughs> if nobody wanted gold, it wouldn't be valuable. If no one cared what about the metal gold, it wouldn't be valuable. Ultimately, things are valuable because people value them. We see gold, and it may have, like like I said, I acknowledge, it may have certain properties or certain abilities that make it more useful. Maybe harder to find than other metals, but after all that's said and done, it's just another metal. It was humans who decided to make it valuable and decided to idolize it for these characteristics. And we look, and this isn't some sort of new idea, right? This idea of gold being an iconic, almost like idol thing that they worship. I mean, you look back at the Israelites in the wilderness and they built a golden calf, right? Like gold since the beginning of time has been something that people have like just had this great admiration towards too often. I think we put the value on our own lives or we treat the value on our own lives the way we treat the value of a medal. We listen to what other people tell us is good or not good, and we determine our value based off that. For example, someone, let's say, has an extraordinary ability in the sport of football, okay? Now, let's just say, Someone is going to go play college football, maybe even go to the NFL. And when they're in high school, their value in the high school is probably a lot more valuable in the eyes of their peers and the, the school coaches and teachers and principal than maybe the student who is the best violin player in the school. So who determines which is more valuable, an ability to play football or an ability to play a violin? People do, right? And we allow people to determine our value. For example, we listen to people when they say it's cool to be an athlete or maybe date a bunch, maybe make bad decisions, go party in and whatnot. Like we think that, oh, those people are the cool people, right? That's what you're supposed to do. <clears throat> or on the other hand, they say, man, they're such a nerd. Or it's so uncool to be someone who's good at school or in the band or on, I was in the band in college, don't. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you understand these stigmas that come along with things, right? I'm not judging anyone here. I'm saying that these things exist. Am I wrong? Okay. Okay. I'm not, hey. I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to get everyone all worked up. I'm just, I'm not being rude. I'm just laying out stereotypes that you guys already know. Okay. You can pretend you can sit here and argue with me and pretend like they don't exist, but they exist. Right. So how do we. How do we sit here and quantify someone's value just based on abilities, personalities? Why do we do this? Why do we allow people to put value on us? Every metal on earth is different. But that doesn't make them by nature different in value. If someone, I'll say this. If someone, an alien, came down to earth and there were no humans here, and there was a rock of gold and a rock of aluminum, to the alien, they're the same value, right? They did, he wouldn't know, would know that there's a difference in these values just by looking at them. To him, they're both metals. They're equal. And in the same way, Every person on earth is different, but it doesn't mean that they have a different value. If someone came down and didn't understand social structure things and they saw someone who was really athletic and someone who was very musically talented, they probably wouldn't know which was better. There would be no value placed on them because they don't know the social structure, what's coveted in that area. We have to realize that in our lives, in our society, in our worlds, as humans, God values us all the same. Yes, he gives us different abilities. He gives us different traits. He gives us different personalities, characteristics, behaviors, whatever you want to call it. He, He makes us all different, but we're all equal in the eyes of God. He values us all the same. And we need to realize that we have this great value in God. the characteristic of gold that we need to embody in our lives and our relation to God is to realize that we are the most valuable thing on this planet in the eyes of God. At some point, at some point, we have to start living our lives like we're as valuable as gold. So that was kind of a sidebar that really had nothing to do with the gift of the magi but it's an important thing to realize that gold's value is placed by humans don't allow your value to be placed by humans it's placed by god so we've talked about the significance of gold right this value that it has and it's no shock to anyone in here that back when jesus was born gold was a big deal right like it was a big deal when moses was around much less thousands of years later when Jesus is born, okay? It's a big deal. One of the things that gold was primarily used to signify should come as no shock to you, it's royalty. Royalty would have been the people who could have obtained gold, had gold, worn gold, stashed gold, I don't know. Gold was something that was used to denote that someone was royal, And thus this gift made sense to present it to Jesus because he was labeled as a king. In fact, if you look in Matthew 2 a little bit earlier, the magi themselves refer to Jesus as a king. In verse 2 they say, they ask Herod, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east. And we have come to worship him. So now the question doesn't become. Is Jesus a king? Okay. We we already have acknowledged. That the the magi have labeled Jesus a king. But what we need to look at is rather. How Jesus is a king. And why Jesus is labeled a king. And and to see this and to understand this. We have to look back at the Old Testament. Because. Because. Jesus' birth and Jesus' life was all about fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. Because Old Testament prophecy was put in place so that the Jewish people would understand and would believe when Jesus came. That he would say, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Son of God, I'm the Savior of the world. And that people would say, I'm not sure if I believe you. But they have all these Old Testament prophecies that they can have like a checklist to be like, Oh, okay, he did this. He was was born here. Okay, he was born to this family. He was born... They have this checklist. So Jesus' life was all about fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. So to fully understand why Jesus was born a king, we have to look back at Old Testament prophecy. So in 2 Samuel 7... We see King David is promised a descendant who would be a king forever, okay? Now I don't think he fully understood exactly what this meant at the moment. But king if you were a king, you were basically a king up until you were dethroned or you died, right? But God told David, "You will have a descendant who will be king forever." In Second Samuel 7, it says, when your days are fulfilled and and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. You see, throughout the Old Testament, we see the setup of, of a Jewish king who would come and would rule. For eternity. Okay. This wasn't a Jewish king who would come and rule for a lifetime. Or come and rule for a long time. Or a, a, This was someone who was going to rule for eternity. And when we get to the Christmas story. Just to make sure that we understand that this is the king that God was talking about in the Old Testament. We see in Luke 1 where the angel that comes to Mary voices these same things. The angel says... Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and he shall be called Jesus. He will be great and he will be the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom. There will be no end. The angel tells Mary right there that that. She is going to give birth to a king whose kingdom will be eternal. The same king that was promised to David many generations before. Now, obviously, we can look at the life of Jesus and we can see that many people referred to him as a king in his time. But widely speaking, Jesus was not accepted As a kingly authority in his lifetime. Nor was he given the respect of a king. I mean we can look at Jesus' life. The fact that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the Jewish leaders. They were after him from the beginning. They didn't respect him. They didn't honor him. They didn't treat him like a king. They treated him like a criminal. Jesus was not respected as a king in his time. However, despite this. We see glimpses. Of his kingship throughout his entire life, all the way up until his death, when even on the cross, in a way of making fun of Jesus and mocking Jesus, soldiers write on a sign above his head and put it to the cross and it says, What? King of the Jews. They thought they were making fun of Jesus by doing this, but all they were doing was proving who Jesus was. You see, it's okay. That Jesus was not acknowledged in his time because that's not the nature of his kingdom. His kingdom was never designed to be something that was of this world. In John 18, right before he is sentenced to death by crucifixion, Pilate is questioning Jesus and he asks him this exact question Are you king of the Jews? Now, it would have been very easy for in this moment to Jesus to go, yes, I am the king of the Jews and my kingdom will reign forever. That would be a very true statement. But rather how Jesus answers this. He reveals the true nature of his kingdom. He says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. Then Pilate said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into this world. Jesus came into this world to be a king. But he did not come into this world to be a king of this world. Do we see the difference there? Jesus... Is a king of kings, but not a king of this world. He is the king of a spiritual and eternal world. And see, the Magi knew this. They understood this because they read the scriptures and they understood who Jesus was and what he would do. And they presented him with this gift of gold. Out of respect for the fact that he was not just a king, but the king. Jesus came into this world and lived in this world as a rejected king. But someday, make no mistake about it. He will return as an exalted king. However, if you read your Bibles, you will see that there will be many people who still reject Jesus as king when he returns. And when that time comes, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't want to be in the group that rejects Jesus as king when he returns. You can read Revelation and see what happens. It's not good. Spoiler alert. I've heard I've heard it said before <laughs> when you're trying to when you're trying to ask someone if they're a Christian, a common thing to say is, is Jesus, the, is Jesus the Lord of your life or is Jesus king of your life? And I've heard someone say, never ask someone if Jesus is the Lord of their life. Because he's Lord of everyone's life. What you should ask people if you want to ask them if they're a Christian is, have you acknowledged Jesus as the Lord of your life? Whether they want him to be or not, Jesus is Lord over all. And that includes Christians, that includes lost people, that includes plants, trees, animals, everything. Jesus is Lord over all. It's whether or not we as humans acknowledge that Jesus is Lord over our life, that we turn from our sinful ways, that we turn towards Jesus and we come, <laughs> and we come to God saying, I don't know what's best for me. I can't be king over my own life. I can't manage that. I can't, I can't understand that. I don't know what's best for me. I need your guidance. I need you to show me the way that you want me to live. You need to turn over reign of your own life to Jesus. So I'm going to ask you tonight, if you've been running from God, or maybe if you, if you came here tonight and you didn't know what it meant to be a follower of God, to be a Christian I'm gonna make it very simple tonight. Do you recognize Jesus as the king of your life? And I don't care if if you're sitting here and you've never been to church before, or if you've been to church your whole life and you got saved when you were four and you think you've been a Christian, that doesn't matter if you don't make Jesus the king of your life. So if you're sitting here tonight, I'm gonna ask you one simple question. Do you recognize Jesus as the king of your life? Meaning that you cast aside what you care about. You put aside your selfishness, what you want, the things that you desire in life. And you only care about doing what God has ordained and designed and called you to do with your life. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus as king before. You need to experience salvation. And, and let me tell you right now, if that's you tonight, please, please talk to me. Talk to an adult after this. Make sure that you've got Jesus as the king of your life. Or maybe somewhere along the way, you've made yourself king of your life. Maybe at one point in your life, Jesus was the king of your life. Maybe things changed you lost sight of what was going on. Things were going good. You kind of had it under control. <clears throat> and you made yourself the king of your own life. Maybe you need to turn that over to him tonight. Maybe tonight's the night you look and you go, Jesus, I need you to come back in and be the king of my life. Man, guys, I I like to <laughs> I like to think that I know what's going on in your lives, but. Realistically, Man, you guys have got so much going on in your lives that I couldn't even know about. I, I'm happy to hear about it if you want to tell me, but I don't know what's going on in your life tonight. I don't know what you need to talk to God about tonight. I don't know what you may need to talk to someone else in this room, a peer, maybe an adult. I don't know. I don't know where you're at tonight. But if God has laid something on your heart tonight about where your priorities are, but who's the real king of your life, man, please talk to someone. Don't leave here tonight with that on your chest. I'm going to pray for you guys right now and then we can get out of here. God, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. What this season is all about, God. I thank you for showing us that he is a king. Not a king of this world, but a king of all. Most importantly, though, that he is king of our lives, God. Pray that if anyone in here does not recognize Jesus as the king of their life, that you would open their heart to that tonight. I, I, just, I just feel that someone in here needs to, to accept that Jesus is lord of their life tonight, God. And I just pray that you would open their heart, soften their heart to hear those words tonight. God, I pray that you give them the boldness to talk to someone about that feeling. Give them the boldness to to share that with someone so that they can help them find the path that their life is supposed to be on God. God, we praise you for who you are and what you do and this plan that you have for us. God, I thank you for all that you do. And I pray that as we go through this season of Christmas and Advent, that you would help us to remain focused on what you've done for us, God. Help us to not be distracted by all the nonsense, all the flashy lights, all the fun. Help us to stay focused on you, remain focused on you through all that, God. God, I pray that each student in here tonight would be blessed by your Holy Spirit, that it would come into their lives and allow them to Be the people and and serve you in the way that you have designed and called them to serve you, God. Pray that they would accept that and that they would take that and run with it with a boldness. To serve your kingdom well. God, we pray all of this in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.